Welcome again, all of you. We thank the Lord for you. We thank the Lord for those of you who are worshiping with us uh, at home. And uh, as I say, it's such a huge privilege to be in the presence of God. We should never underestimate what that means, to come and recharge our batteries here spiritually. It's good to see you all. Let me quickly enter into the word for this morning. And uh, before I forget, I want to remind you that um, the notes for the um, sermon, you can find them in our website. If you go to the website in English and uh, you look for sermon notes at the beginning, you will find there the notes. I may not follow them faithfully, and very possibly this particular sermon, I may jump around a bit and kind of mix up things uh, a bit. Um, but um, you can find those notes there, and during the week you can get back and, you know, kind of uh, mull over some of the things that I say and uh, develop them more in your own spirit as well. But you can also follow, and you'll find some of the, some of the points there. By the way, I see Michelle Charles. Michelle, it's so good to see you. I hope you're really energized. Michelle has led the Awaken the Dawn uh, services, and, and I was blessed to be there just the time that I was there. And we thank the Lord for warriors like you, Michelle, that are giving your all toward revival and toward the kingdom of God. Yeah, and God is going to respond. He's going to respond to our clamor. He's going to visit this land. And what all that we are seeing may just be the, the prelude to the great things that God is going to be doing in our midst. That He is already doing. Because I, I see the Spirit just strengthening and growing here in this region. So, but I thank the Lord because that's the, the result of many prayers that are being uh, led sacrificially by people like Michelle Charles. And I'm grateful that she's here with us and that she's part of our congregation as well. And that's what I said. You know, if the Lord gives you leadership, then you have to pay the price for it. And that means that that's why we need to be in these diff different activities and sacrificially participate them, in them. We are ministers of the kingdom. And uh, that's just one piece of the sermon. But anyway, the topic that um, I want to touch with you this morning is about anxiety. And I hear the words of Jesus and the Apostle Paul saying, Do not be anxious about anything. All right? I want you to say that to your soul right now. Do not be anxious. Say it to your soul, do not be anxious about anything, anything, okay? The, the, the words of Jesus in, in Luke chapter 12 um, are powerful words for us. Verses 22 to 34, then Jesus said to his disciples, Luke 12, verses 22 to 34, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, that's a, that's a strong admonition. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Man, how, how, how we need those words in our time. Particularly during this time of all these new concerns that we have in the air. Do not worry about your life. S such things that, um, as what you will eat or about your body, what, what you will wear. For life is more than food. And you might add whatever it is. It may be beauty or friends or influence or possessions, uh, you know, success in any way. It's more than that. The body is more than the clothes that you wear. Consider the ravens, you know, these, these, these unattractive birds. Take a look at them. They do not sow or reap. 
They, they have no storeroom or barn. Yet, God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Why don't you tell yourself right now, I'm more valuable than a bird. All right, I'm worth more than a bird. You are indeed for many reasons. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Now, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. I think, I think Jesus said that, by the way, with a smile. He's, he's like, you know, using a, a metaphor in a way that is a little bit tricky. Um, so he says, you know, consider they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's getting a little poetic there. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Now remember, he's using this just as mere illustrations. His concern is about bigger things. You can fill in whatever, whatever thing concerns you. Maybe your children and their future. It, it may be a situation of health. It, it, it may be money or housing or whatever. He's just using these illustrations to point to <clears throat> things that, that, you know, concern us. And... and uh, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. I mean, he's talking about the Gentiles from his Jewish point of view, the ethne, the people of the world, those who do not know the true God, he's saying. Those who don't have the word of God, who don't know the principles of the word of God, who haven't studied the gospels and the, the, the letters of the apostles. You know, those who don't know better... Uh, they, they worry about these things. They, they get anxious about them. And your father knows that you need them. Here's the, the main antidote. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. I mean, there's a promise there, people of God. As you seek the kingdom of God and you make that your priority, God will make sure that he takes care of all the other things that so concern you. It's a matter of prioritizing. And that's why he says, you know, where your heart is, there also your treasure will be. If your heart is set on the kingdom of God, advancing his kingdom, protecting his kingdom, making sure that you're an instrument for the, the, the blessing of his kingdom, then he will take care of all the other things that you're worrying about and concerned about, including your health and so on. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Now here's an invitation then. Instead of living like a miser, counting your little coins and watching your, you know, your bank account every day, seeing as it goes up and down and so on and so forth. He says, you know, live, live extravagantly. Live generously. Don't only be concerned about your needs. Hey, how about becoming more concerned about the needs of others, the needs of your church, the needs of your neighbor. Take, take your eyes off of yourself and your needs and do the opposite. Live first to be a blessing unto others. That takes effort, but that's the, that's the, 
That's the, the, he's, he's asking us to live instead prophetically and extravagantly because he, he's, he's giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? That alone is already a whole sermon there. But you know, what, what set me off on this uh, meditation this morning, yesterday I was thinking, okay, I, I, I want to give our people a word that is timely, that is specific. I don't like to preach, you know, just generically. Thinking, oh, all the, the word of God is good, so whatever I give in, of his word is fine. No, I, I want to preach prophetically and apostolically even, if you want to use that word. Something that is necessary for you now, a timely word of God. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, what, what can I give our people um, on Sunday morning? And you know, this thought of uh, speaking about anxiety and worry came clearly to my mind. And so I'm here uh, delivering the specific word of God for your life this morning, whether you're at home or whether you are here. We, we, uh, we are living in, a, in a, an, uh, another one of those moments you know, uh, back uh, a year and a half or more ago, we, we started worrying about COVID-19. And then, um, you know, we, just a few weeks ago, we were thinking, ha, ah, boy, we survived. That's, that's uh, past us. Now we can get back to going to the movies and, and eating like crazy at the restaurants and, you know, going to the parks and so on and so forth. And everybody was uh, euphoric about, you know, and then all of a sudden, pow, we get hit again with another variant of the virus, and, and you begin all over again, the same thing, all the pundits begin to, you know, write in the news and, and comment uh, in all the different media about COVID-19, and there we are again, obsessed, reading every little thing that we can grab in the internet about COVID, and we become focused on that, and we again become afraid. We put our attention on that, and like we we, I don't know, we're like prisoners uh, awaiting a letter from uh, our uh, relatives. And you know how a prisoner is waiting for that? And it's like that. We, we go to the news. Any, any new insight, any new promise that it's okay, that it's nothing to worry about, we're at it. Anything that will protect us. And we become, again, we become anxious. We, we ben, then begin to be manipulated once more by the circumstances outside of ourselves. And, and we let um, situations control our state of being. And I'm concerned, you know, for the people of God that we not be so tied up with the, the fluctuations of history and of circumstances. History will be with us until Jesus comes. And, and we better get prepared for many things to happen. All right? I mean, this is not the last thing that we're going to experience you know, virus, viruses will be with us until the earth is glorified and purified. And uh, there will be variants of different viruses. They have been with us since, since the beginning of time, probably. Maybe not in the Garden of Eden, but certainly afterwards. All right? So, um, you know, uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there. And we better get used to living within that condition, that situation, and uh, place our focus where it needs to be. Um, and so we, we got to fight back. 
And this is where the Word of God comes in and, and teaches us not to be overly afraid. Do not be afraid, little flock, Jesus says in, in verse 32. And that, that idea of little flock, it means, you know, we are, in a sense, uh, powerless before the, the, the uh, capricious nature of the world. One day gives us this, another day gives us that. We're impotent in, the sen in a sense. This, you know, so he, Jesus, uh, ironically, he highlights our impotence and our weakness. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. But then he directs our attention to he who is much more powerful than anything, our Father. He says, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And that's, you know, you can live either focusing on your fragility your mortality, or you can choose to live focused on the power of the God who loves you, who created you, who says, I will be with you today and forever. I will go through all the fluctuations of life. I am with you. I love that, uh, that uh, chorus that David was uh, leading us into earlier, you know, about the fact this God who has, who has been with us before, he's, he's going to be there with us again. He, he, the God who has parted the waters before, he will part them again. When you read the Old Testament, you see God telling the, the, the Israelites over and over again, hey, I took you uh, uh, out of Egypt with a strong arm. I, I drowned the armies of Pharaoh. I opened the Red Sea. I provided manna for you and water out of the rock. And if I did it before, I will do it again. Amen. So we got to focus on that over and over again. Our Father who loves us and for whom we are absolutely precious. And if, he, if he's done it before, do you know how many pandemics, how many plagues the Lord has uh, delivered the world from over hundreds of years? How many world wars? How much destruction? How many cataclysms? How many natural catastrophes? How many economic crises we have gone through, our, our nation or even the whole world? And here we are standing still, and we will be here until the world ends and Jesus comes to rescue his creation and to establish a new order of things. You know, I'm not afraid. So, you know, I really don't like to see a lot of these movies uh, about huge destructions of, you know, the world and all these things, uh, you know, plagues that destroy five-sixths of humanity and so on and so forth. Because, you know, I really, uh, God made a promise in the Old Testament that he would never destroy the earth by water again. He will never wipe out mankind. And, and uh, I believe that, you know, mankind will be here. I don't care whether it's, you know, climate, uh, warmth or whatever you call it. Uh, you know, we're going to be here. And, and I'm going to be here as long as God wants me to be here. And you are going to be here as long as God wants you to be here as well. You will never, you will not die one second before God wants you to die. I want you to know that, okay? And you will not live one second beyond what God wants you to live either. You are in the hands of the Lord. doesn't mean that you, you can be careless. But it also means that you have to dwell in the sovereignty of the Lord. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to do here for us, is to focus us on, what, on the things that really matter. You know, there's a series of passages that, he, that we have here in Luke chapter 12. And you see um, uh, these passages showing people who are already concerned about material things. Before he says this, the, a guy came up to him and asked him, hey, um, you know, tell my brother to divide uh, the, the, uh, in our inheritance fairly. 
And, and Jesus is reminded of how people get so focused on money, for example. And so that sends him into this um, whole uh, concern about um, the things that really matter, about finances, uh, you know, about, or rather about the things of the spirit instead of financial and material things. Um, there's an invitation of the world for us to focus on, on secondary things. And uh, there's a teaching in chapter 12 against greed. There's an invitation to understand who we must truly fear. It says, do not be afraid in verse 4. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. It says, don't be afraid of, of, if you can only be killed biologically by someone, don't be afraid of them. Now, be afraid of the, if they can neutralize you spiritually then and condemn you to hell. Then be afraid. So there's an invitation to understand who we must truly fear. Uh, there's an invitation also to, to understand things uh, you know, about our eternal destiny. This parable of the rich fool that Jesus says right before the passage that we have read is about somebody who's so overly concerned about wealth that he forgets about the fact that there is an afterlife. And he doesn't invest in the afterlife. And uh, Jesus says, no, you have to worry about the afterlife as well. So there's an invitation to be properly concerned about all the things that really matter. And now Jesus turns to, to the disciples in, in verse 22 and forward, what we've just read. And, and he develops this lesson about not worrying excessively. He says, uh, it is important that you, as future leaders of my church, that you know that you must guard against anxiety and fear and excessive love for material things, including your body. And you, Jesus uses a word when he says about worry. Do not worry. In, in Matthew also, he talks about it's the same thing about anxious. It's the word merim now. It's a verb, merim now in Greek. And it means to worry about something uh, in an undue sort of way. To pay too much attention to something. To be anxious about uh, some matter. To concentrate too much on one thing. It's like saying, do not be obsessed. Do not be overly attentive to your life and to the concerns of your life. The, the Lord warns us that to worry and, uh, and to be anxious about things is not a convenient attitude for those who know God and who follow Him. And I know that it's very difficult to obey that. Even now as you're listening to me saying, yeah, that sounds easy. But it's, it's a lot more difficult. And I know even we believers tend to be overly concerned about all the things that matter. Anybody who has been given, for example, a, a diagnosis of cancer, of course they're going to be worried. Of course they're going to be concerned about it. You know, it is a biological thing. We're, we're concerned about our survival. And I think anxiety is an extension of the survival instinct. Anything that threatens our stability and our well-being becomes a source of anxiety. And so Christians can become anxious. I know I, can, I speak from personal experience. I'm an, I'm an authority on anxiety, by the way. And, and because I've, I've lived it, and I live it, and I fight against it often. And so I know that it is very hard for us to, to deal with that. I think of the, the disciples in the storm. You know, they, they were absolutely anxious about uh, the storm around them. But there was Jesus asleep on that same boat, snoring like a baby. And, um, you know, he, he didn't care about the storm because he knew who he was. He knew that he was the son of God. That storm had absolutely no power to destroy them. I think the safest place in the entire universe was in that boat at that moment with Jesus in it. 
And so when we focus on, on our identity and our situation in res with respect to the Lord, we are safe. But no, I mean, we are often concerned about that. You know, the Apostle Paul speaks about, uh, he says, um, we, if we have sustenance, if we have physical, we have, if we have something to eat and we have a roof over our heads, we should be content with that. He says that piety accompanied by satisfaction is a huge blessing. And many of us are pious. We love the Lord. We, we serve the Lord. But we have very little peace. And, and I think uh, our, our life as a Christian should be um, at, at least partially focused on learning how to cultivate the art of peace and of uh, quiet and sustenance. Many people focus in, in Christianity with power and gifts and, you know, all these signs and wonders. And I think one of the biggest uh, focuses of attention in our growth should be on cultivating the peace of God that passes all understanding. I tell you, if you can experience peace in the midst of the fluctuations of life, you are a spiritual giant. A lot of other things will come into your life as a result of that. Because many times when we are anxious and, and tense and, and uh, you know, just rigid in wanting to produce, the, the, the power of God cannot really have its way in us. But when we relax, then we are free to give birth. You know that women sometimes uh, who want to get pregnant, they're so concerned and so tense and so anxious about giving birth and being pregnant that they become sterile. And they cannot, they cannot give birth because they're so anxious. And then one day they, they learn to relax. They may adopt a child, for example, and forget about having a child. And then all of a sudden they get pregnant because they, they relaxed, you know. And, and it's a mystery, but it is a, it is a, a real medical fact that often when you become so anxious about getting something and about giving birth, you actually make your body and your mind tense. And then you're not able to, to fructify, to give fruit freely. And it's like that in the Christian life. When we learn to just be sufficient in the Lord and, and to let the Lord have his way, then the Lord is free to make us fruitful. And, and uh, sometimes in ministry, I tell you, it's one of the biggest uh, uh, afflictions of ministry. Ministers, pastors like me, we, we want to give fruit. We want to be used of God to uh, evangelize multitudes. We want the, the power of God to manifest itself through us in signs and wonders. And we look at other pastors that have bigger churches and bigger ministries, and we become anxious about it. We become jealous and, and, and envious about all these other big ministries. And, and, and we, we count our sheep like, and we protect them. And we become overly protective of every person who comes into our church. And, and we want to keep them there and hold on to them and so on and so forth. And all that does is just to make us less fruitful for the kingdom. Now, when we let go and we simply do what we can, and it doesn't mean that we don't make efforts, okay? But it means that we just learn to relax and do what we can within that trust in God. Then... God begins to move and do wonderful, powerful things in our lives. And it, it's like that with every other area of your life. If you're overly concerned about your children, for example, and you overprotect them or you overmanage and control them, actually you, you, you achieve the very opposite. They become resentful. They distance themselves from you. And you become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly what you fear sometimes comes to pass. But instead of that, commit your children to God. Commit your marriage to the Lord. Don't try to be you know, or control the things that you have. Just let, let the Lord, commit them to the Lord. Focus on praying to the Lord, reminding Him of what your needs are, and then live and enjoy life. 
And then as you relax and you let him manage your life and take over, you discover that many of the things that you were overly concerned about, they come to you. God gives them to you. He just hands them over to you. But it takes courage to live like that. It takes a lot of moral courage. You know, anxiety is a strong condition, even for believers. And that's why Jesus addressed this to his, his followers. And he said, don't be overly concerned. And then he uses a series of images. And I, as I said, they're like poetic images that um, he says, focus on these things. Look around you. Watch nature and learn from it. He talks about the birds of the field and, and the flowers and, and the grass, things that those that were listening to him would identify with. This, this is an, uh, a, an agrarian society. And, and those disciples, they probably had been walking around Palestine and seen beautiful flowers, lilies and hyacinths and other kind of uh, uh, beautiful flowers, you know, growing wildly. I, I, when we've been to Israel, we've seen some of those uh, uh, you know, flowers, just red, deep, deep, brilliant red flowers. I don't remember what they're called. Um, adorning the, the land. They're, they're so beautiful. No artist could ever reproduce the beauty of one of those uh, flowers. And yet, there they are, growing wildly. They don't do anything except just, you know, be. That's all they are. You know, they, they just exist. And God takes care of them. He, he sends the rain. He sustains them. And he says, you know, that's, that's what you should be concerned about. This God that created those flowers, those birds, he takes care of them. He created them and he maintains them. And, and it's the same thing with you. If God has created you, he is also committed to your maintenance. He creates you and he wants to make sure that you achieve your full potential, that you have what you need. And if you arm yourself with that understanding, that understanding becomes a magnet for the provision that you need. You see, many times we're so concerned about what we don't have and, and afraid that we instead, uh, should, we, we do not focus on what we should be focusing is on this God who says, he's going to take care of me. And uh, as you learn to do that, that idea, that thought, that attitude, that conviction becomes a magnet for the goodness and the blessing of God. It becomes something actively magnetic and attractive. But when we're concerned about what we don't have and what could happen if we don't get it, then that becomes a, a negative prophecy. And that attracts the very fear that we have. The very thing that we fear becomes our reality. And so Jesus is saying, so focus on the goodness. Focus on this God who is responsible. He has created and he is committed to the maintaining of that creation. I, and the thought came to me as I thought about that of the Croc Center here in Roxbury. The Croc Center belongs to the Salvation Army. And uh, the Croc Center um, was uh, made possible by the generosity of a woman. I don't remember her name right now. She's the, the wife of the, the um, founder of a Burger King. I think it was it's Burger King or McDonald's, one of the two. And uh, in her wealth, she decided to create 10 of these centers in, uh, along the United States, like $40 million or $50 million she donated to each, each of these centers for the, the construction of these community centers that do all kinds of things, gymnasiums and, and all, all the things involved in it. Uh, you know, and, and so she, she donated that money here to the Salvation Army in 
uh, in Roxbury to build one of these centers. And, but here's the thing. You know what she did? Not only did she donate money for the creation of the center, but she donated a significant amount of money for the maintenance of the center over the course of time. She created an endowment so that um, the organization would have money to maintain it, to repair it, to do whatever it needed to do for its uh, maintenance. Why? Because she knew that if she just gave, you know, this big uh, structure and this complex uh, structure, uh, it might be actually a curse. Because with the passing of time, that organization would be forced to find money to maintain it. Because that, that can, it, it can, you know, it, hundreds of thousands of dollars for a, a plant, a physical plant like that. So she uh, structured money for its maintenance as well and its sustenance. Well, you know, God is just like that. God is responsible. He is a systemic thinker. He, he has foresight. And so he programmed into his creation the maintenance of his creation as well. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus created these birds, these, these tiny little structures, and he also provides for them. And then he says, how much more you, who are infinitely more complex than a lily or a blade of grass. And uh, so therefore, use that insight to, you know, trust that God will take care of you. That this, this uh, God who is also, he's responsible for you. And your part is to simply, you know, remind him gently of that. And also remind yourself of that sense of responsibility. You know, Martha in the, in the, uh, 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 the narrative of Lazarus says, Lord, if you had only come in time, my brother would not have died. As if, as if Jesus wasn't aware of, of Lazarus. And his needs and the needs of his sisters as well. And, and um, Jesus knew that Lazarus had to die. He let Lazarus die because he had a big plan. He had a plan of resurrecting him and giving us a huge lesson for the rest of history about this God who takes care of us and who's powerful enough to um, on, overcome any situation. And if, only, if Martha had only trusted the Lord either for Lazarus' death or for his resurrection, she would have been much less anxious. Martha was tended to be anxious. You know, and many times things happen in our lives that we cannot understand. And uh, we don't know the why or the how or how we're going to get out of this situation. Man, if I could only trust that God has control, I would be a moral genius. I could write thousands of books on, on any moral subject if I could only achieve that conviction. Because many times things happen in our lives and they seem to be destructive and uh, they, that they cannot be solved. But if we only trust, hey, God knows best. I, I, I don't know why he's doing this, but I trust him. And I know that he, it, things will work out for good in his time. And we just trust in him. He has a plan. You got to tell yourself every day, God has a plan. This situation right now in the world I think it's crushing human pride. It's forcing people to understand that we are not in control. Science is not in control. The government is not in control. Technology is not in control. God is in control. And the sooner we understand that lesson and we rest in that, I think the, the better off we'll be. I don't know why there are pandemics. I don't know why God didn't zap these viruses already out of existence. But I know that he's working in human history. 
and that is bringing the world to where he wants to bring it. Unfortunately, I'm involved in that world, and, you know, but I have, to, I have to commit my life to him. I'll have to do, I'll do whatever I can do. And let me tell you something. I'm at the risk of complicating this sermon a bit, but I want to, uh, this is maybe imprudent on my part, but I want to talk a little bit about vaccines just for a moment here, all right, because I think this is a pastoral piece of advice that I want to give you. Personally, and this is me personally, I don't want to create any kind of anxiety for you while I teach you not to be anxious. But, um, you know, if I were you, I would, I would vaccinate myself. I mean, I do counsel you to do that. If you don't want to and, you, and your conscience doesn't, that's fine, okay? But as your spiritual father or big brother, I want to say that, you know, I, I personally, I, I don't depend on a vaccine for my life, okay? But as a pastor, you know, I thought I, I need to be responsible. I need to give uh, an example. And I, I, I don't believe um, that somehow these sinister, you know, conspirators have a control of my life. Let them do whatever they want. God is able to control. That vaccine, God, that vaccine is not going to harm me. If, if I'm confident that the, the, the virus is not going to harm me, I can also be confident that the vaccine is not going to harm me either. You know, billions of people by now have taken that vaccine. I don't see any horns sprouting out of their forehead or, you know, three eyes or anything like that. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, why, don't, why don't you just do it and stop suffering and just get it over with, all right? And trust the Lord. I mean, but that's me, okay? That is me. Maybe if I, if I were a more prudent pastor, I wouldn't say this, okay, that I'm telling you right now. But I can't hold back because I cannot withhold the truth that I believe in. I'm, that's what pastors are paid for, and that's what they're called, just to, be, to give things that upset people and they make them better later on. All right, so that's my piece of advice to us. Um, I think that right now, uh, unvaccinated um, people are causing a lot of uh, care and concern to this culture. And as believers, you know, we just, I think out of love, if nothing else. Now, if you have a condition or, or whatever, you know, that's fine. I understand. Or if you have a moral objection to it, that's okay. But it's just a thought that I wanted to share with you, okay? That, that, that's all it is because, I mean, I, I, I feel so confident that neither the virus nor the vaccine can harm me. That's really the way I see it. Yeah. And so, therefore, I can, I can take it on and, you know, that's all. But, you know, that, that's just me. <laughs> All right, don't let that bother you too much, all right? Don't write me any texts, by the way, on that, on what I've just said. No emails, no nothing. I am incorrigible. I, 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 I just can't keep my mouth shut, and that I get into trouble for that many times. But that's, that's what I am. I'm a pastor, all right? So um, know that the God who has created you also is concerned about you, and he's concerned about your well-being. You know, secondly, I think you, you, we see Jesus here inviting us to remember who we are. We are children of the King. We are children of the Creator. Do not be afraid, little frog, for it has pleased your Father to give you all of creation. My Father is the one who rules the universe. My Father is the King of COVID, okay? He, he rules COVID. And, and this Father, who is all-powerful, I am important to Him. My nature is divine. And the logical consequence of this is that I don't have to be... Um, a slave to anxiety and worry because I'm a child of the king. Our condition as children of the king has freed us from, from this uh, slavery to uh, concern and, and worry and anxiety. So I got to focus more on my condition as child of the king than my condition as a frail creature of nature. And, and what does this mean? Here's the thing. I want, you, I want you to hear this well. 
There is an alternative to anxiety. That thought is a powerful, powerful insight. Many people who have fallen into anxiety and who have tried to fight it for years sometimes, they get to the point of believing that they are doomed to be anxious for the rest of their lives. And that's what causes many people who are anxious or depressed to commit suicide many times. Because sometimes this lasts for a very long time and, uh, and they feel, man, I don't want to live. If that's going to be the way life is going to be, I don't want it. But the Bible says, no, it's not like that. There is an alternative and you have power to change that situation. You have a power to, to operate on your mind and to redirect it to a, a different kind of attitude. There is an alternative to anxiety. And knowing this is a start toward the solution. Knowing that anxiety is a relative condition like any other condition and that it has solutions in, in the Word of God, it allows us to, to seek those solutions and to trust that there is an alternative to it. By understanding that we are children of God, that He loves us, that He cares for us individually, specifically, personally, that, that should give us a, a peace of mind. And we have to learn to focus on this truth when we are anxious. That by itself has a calming effect. I have discovered that when, when I'm, I'm going through a difficult time in my life and focusing on an enemy that is after my health and my life, you know, my mind will be tempted to all the time focus on that enemy, focus on that threat, think about it obsessively, and that then what I have to do is I have to adopt the choice to take my, my, my mind and divert it, redirect it to a positive promise of God and a, and a condition of the Spirit. So all of a sudden I say, mind, stop, and the Spirit, look. And so then I, 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 whatever it is, I may take a moment to just focus on the Lord and take a few minutes to pray. I may declare a word of Scripture I may focus on something that God has said and just stay at it and tell my mind, hold. And as I focus on that, on that promise of God, it, it, it releases endorphins. It releases substances that induce peace in me. Those chemicals that we, uh, that we try to get uh, through a pill or something like that, all of a sudden when I focus on God, you know one of my favorite verses? Jehová es mi pastor. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I, I say that as a kind of a, I, I take a little shot of Psalm 23. I don't know what the verse is. I take a little pill and I focus on that. And that brings peace. Or I, I will say another verse of scripture. I will think about this God who has done it before. He has taken me out of so many jams that I myself have gotten into many times in my own life. And here I am. And, and I, I think about that and say, Lord, you've done it before. You're going to do it again. And I trust in that. And all of a sudden, I find that with the passing of time, that action in, in, increases in its capacity to do what I want it to do. And as my brain gets trained to think about that positive alternative of the kingdom and the promise, it, it, it's easier and easier. It has more effect. So it's easier for me to take my mind away from anxiety and threat to sufficiency and promise. And so just as you perform that transaction... And you realize that it is just that. It is a transaction and a transition from one thing to the other. Slowly it becomes a source of a blessing in your life.
And you're going to have to repeat that over and over again until the day you die. That same operation. Go from threat to promise. Go from mortality to eternity. And uh, that focusing, because a lot of what Jesus is saying here is about focusing. About concentrating on the good as opposed to the bad. It depends on what I focus on. I have to divert my attention. L look for a moment at Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Because there in Philippians 4, we have another call to uh, peace and to not be anxious. Um, and why does the Bible speak so much about anxiety and not being anxious? Because it's a condition. God knows that, the, you know, it is a temptation for us. And it is something that we, we need to battle every day of our lives. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4 says, For the rest, brothers... Everything that is true, everything honest, everything just, everything pure, everything lovable, everything that is of a good name. Uh, you know, there may be another um, passage there. Philippians chapter 4, you got it? Um, where is it up there? Philippians chapter 4. It's saying all these different things that we got to focus on, okay? Everything that is just, pure, lovable, everything that is of a good name. It's a different version, but leave, leave it there. It's a, it's a different version. Uh, Google Translate. Blame Google Translate for any bad thing that you read in my notes, by the way, also. I, did, I wrote it in Spanish, and then I, I translated it into English this morning. Everything that is of good name, if there is any virtue, if anything worthy of praise, think of this. It's chapter 4, verse 8, uh, Marlene. Chapter, uh, Philippians 4, verse 8. Everything that is of a good name, if there is any virtue, if anything worthy of praise, think of this. In other words, you know, you, you have to train your mind to focus on the goodness of God, on, on, the, on the faithfulness of God, on the prevision of God. Uh, because according to what you focus on, so shall you be. What you give importance to and what you uh, focus your mind on, that is the way you're going to be inside. Okay, and look at verse 9. It says, what you learned and received and heard and saw in me, Paul, a man of God, this do. And here's the punchline. And the God of peace will be with you. What is this? The God of peace. Not the God of power. No, the God of peace. Because as you focus on, on good things, on worthy things, on pure things, on inspiring things, you're... you're your spirit is all of a sudden led to ingest and receive that, that positive energy. And that leads you into a posture of peace and sufficiency and strength. See, but if you're, if you're, if you're meditating on, you know, the latest uh, Avengers movie all the time or, or the latest horror movie in, on television on Netflix or, or on uh, Prime Video... Or if, you're, if your mind is on the internet and all the comings and goings and all the political controversies and all the conspiracies in the world and all the, the, the evils of uh, uh, politicians and so on, what happens? Your mind uh, is going to be, uh, you know, rattled up with all of these negative energies. I made it a point these past few months of consuming personally, this is me again, as little news as I can. 
And you're talking about somebody who likes to read and, uh, you know, watch. And over, during the time of the elections, man, I could have told you what was happening in, in a little rabbit hole somewhere in the universe because I was reading news all the time and staying up to speed and so on and so forth. Then after it was all over, I said, you know what, I'm just going to take a long vacation. And I'm paying for a subscription to the New York Times that I don't use and, and to all kinds of other things. I decided, you know, let me just relax. The world, you know, God evidently has other plans for, for the universe. And I'm going to just chill for a while. And I'm going to meditate on my own life and getting my act together. And so I've been just uh, being with the Lord a lot. Because uh, I, I think that that is what I need to do right now in my life. I've realized that the more I think about conspiracy theories and about the, 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 uh, the, the threats of liberalism and all that kind of stuff and and the devils that are controlling the universe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go crazy. So let me just think more about God and the goodness of God and getting my life more strengthened in the Lord. And you know what? I'm, I'm sleeping much better. It depends on what you focus on. It, it, the world will not be affected one tiny little bit by how rich you are on the news. That's beyond your pay grade. And, and so just focus on the things that matter in your life. And, you know, that brings me to another thing that Jesus says here. Um, that uh, we should uh, be aware of what we can do and cannot do. You know, he says, listen, you cannot add one inch to your height, no matter how much you try. Uh, you cannot become, you know, more intelligent or richer uh, cerebrally, no matter how much you try to do. You can learn, yes, but there are things that you cannot do in your life. I mean, um, and, and uh, that's important for you to know. Learn what you can change and what you cannot change. Who was it? The prayer of St. Francis says, Lord, teach me um, the things that I can change, or something like that, uh, you know, and what I cannot change. I think that is a foundation of wisdom. To know that there are things that are beyond your control. And uh, when you learn that they're beyond your control, just rest. And stop uh, fighting and, and uh, you know, obsessing over, the, over those uh, things. Uh, you know, he says you, you, cannot, you cannot add one inch to your, you cannot add one day of life to your years. Because th those things, and if you can't do that, something like to add one hour of existence... Why do you worry about big, big, you know, macro, cosmic things? I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good word to know how much you can do and how much you cannot do in the world. And I'm, I'm, I'm landing here. Uh, a while ago, a few months ago, I, I preached on the book of Ecclesiastes. You might remember, you know, not go back. To that, to that, I cannot imagine how people would not remember every word that I preach, by the way, but that's, you know. Um, but months ago, I, I took, uh, I went through a whole series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, one of the first things that the, that the writer of Ecclesiastes, the, the most, the wisest man, supposedly, that ever existed, King Solomon, he begins by saying that, um, you know, the world is cyclical. He says, what, what is, what was. And what was, what will be. He says, uh, you know, there's a time for everything in the universe. And a time for every 
and a season for everything. Um, what he's saying is, listen, the world is already made. And sometimes I hesitate to speak about that because people think that I'm being a fatalist, that I'm, I'm sort of being uh, pessimistic, that I'm saying, hey, the world can't change, therefore don't have any ideals, don't try to fight against injustice, um, don't try to make a difference in the world, uh, just, you know, sort of say, kesera, sera, you know, whatever will be, will be, and so on and so forth. No, because in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a call to seize the day, he says, to, to fight uh, with passion, to live life with gusto. But you know, what I'm saying is that you cannot live life with gusto and have true influence in the world until you learn that the world is not as malleable and as elastic and as changeable as you think it is. I think power comes with uh, just uh, letting go and with, uh, what, are, what is the word that I want to use? Power comes with uh, sufficiency in God and knowing your limitations and uh, with uh, just a confidence and rest. Thank you. You should be preaching this sermon, Anita. Rest. You know, the Bible always calls us to rest. He says, you shall keep in complete peace those whose attention is focused on you, who remains tethered on you. Amen. There you go. I have these wonderful preachers right here. Let go. Let God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, as we rest, again, it's a, going back to resting in the Lord. Then, you know, something happens in us. And, you know, the, the more you understand that this world is going to be full of uh, injustice, of poverty, of war until Jesus comes. There's only so much that you can change about the world, my dear friends. You know, I, I, I've learned as a pastor, I don't have as much agency as I think I do. I don't have as much power to change my congregation as I think I do. My part is simply to do my part and then let the Lord take care of the rest. Boy, if I could remember that, I'd be a genius. Because many times I suffer, you know, trying to, to get my congregation to a new level, to, to change their attitudes and so on. And I suffer. And I, you know, I, I, I can do only so much and then I got to let the Lord do the rest. And, and, you know, when you learn that about life, then you are freed. Then, you know, ironically, you are enabled to exercise power and influence on the world. You can live life like a king. You can undertake great things. You can be an entrepreneur. You can risk it all. Because you know that if you lose it all, you won't lose your life. And you won't lose your relationship with God or your eternal destiny. So you, you then, then you can be a true adventurer. Then you can undertake great projects of transformation. Because you have learned, you, you've already solved the issue of, uh, of uh, survival. And you know that you will survive. You Wow, that's, that song, I Will Survive, that comes to my mind right now, you know. Uh, uh, you will. So once you know that you will survive, then you're free to take risks and to live life creatively. But you have to learn that there's only so much that you can change about the world. You know, you, you may want to have, you may want to be the, the executive, uh, the, the, the uh, corporate, um, the, the CEO, thank you of your company. You, you may want to be famous. You, you may want to be extremely influential. You may want to become president of the United States. But if God didn't call you to that, then relax. It's okay. You know, I think there are people who are missing beautiful things every day around them. You know, their children, 
uh, their marriage, having moments to enjoy existence, a quiet moment, to go to the country, to take a vacation, to take some of that money that they're so obsessed with amassing and, and building up and spend some of it. Come on, go out somewhere, have a good dinner, have a good steak. And don't just buy the cheap steak, buy the ribeye and, and enjoy it. Let the grease run through the corners of your mouth and enjoy it. Because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You may not be alive tomorrow. Or you may be alive and praise God and you win. Okay. You know, the world is already made. And there are things that you will not be able to change. I've, ad I've tried to adopt that in my life. My philosophy is, you know, I got to fight like, like, all, like it all depends on me and then trust that it, like it all depends on God. I, I am responsible for doing all that I can in my life. You are responsible for studying hard, for uh, being the best employee in your company, for wanting to become something significant in life. But you have to do it from the platform of if I don't achieve that, then I'm fine. If I don't have the house with the seven rooms and the BMW parked in, in the garage, then that's okay. <laughs> you know, if I can't eat great food in restaurants, I'll just learn how to cook and cook it in my home myself and save a lot of money. See, so this idea of uh, knowing what you can change and what you cannot change, but even then striving to change things, but from a platform of peace and sufficiency, it is revolutionary. And these are the things that the Bible calls us to this morning. I think I'm going to continue next Sunday. Well, not next Sunday because we have somebody preaching. But whenever I get the other chance, I'm going to, I'm going to try to remember to continue. Because there's so many things. That, that, and this is such an important lesson for us to trust in the Lord. So this morning, whatever you want to do, bow your head or, or you know, just uh, make a sign of hearing and listening to God and going into yourself for a moment. If there's something good that has come out of this uh, meditation I, and, and it's touched you take it and own it now and receive it and ask the Lord I'm going to ask the Lord here Father help me to live as a child of the King who has been freed from the the compulsion of anxiety and, and excessive concern help my congregation in these times of changes and threats to become more focused on God let us die. Help us to die, Lord. Help us to die like the grain of wheat to ambition, to control, to prosperity. And help us to find sufficiency in the little moments of life. In that simple meal that I can eat or the laughter of a grandchild or a moment of intimacy with a good friend or the beauty of a a moment with nature very inexpensive things that you give to me all the time and to all of us help us to enjoy this creation that you have placed us in in Jesus name father we, we declare the peace of Christ and God that passes all understanding on every member of this spiritual family that's congregation Lion of Judah give us insight give us wisdom give us discernment father let us focus on you so strongly that there will be no space for anything else around us. We dispel anxiety in Jesus' name right now. I thank you for who I am. I thank you for what you've made me. I thank you for what you have given me and what you have not given me. And I, I, I pray that you will help us to live 
grateful lives, happy for what we have received, and knowing that you are in control, that what we do not get is because you've decided better to trust the, the Creator who maintains us. Holy Spirit, come, come, come. And if there's someone in this room that has not received Jesus Christ yet, I, I ask you right now to do it. I ask you right now to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and fill me with your presence. I, de I declare you the, the source of my life and my salvation and my eternal destiny. Just say that with your mouth or say it inside yourself and then make sure that you begin to live by it right now. Jesus, because if you don't have Jesus in your life, then none of these things that I'm talking about will make sense to you. They will have no reality. So make sure you make your, your, your peace with Christ right now. All right? Um, give your life over to him. Die to every other thing. Because that's when you begin to focus on the kingdom, then all the things of the kingdom come along with it. All the blessing in the life. So, Father, even now we confess you as the platform of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We declare the peace of Christ. I declare the shalom of Christ over your life, over those that are watching us over the internet, over the congregation Lion of Judah, over the city of Boston, over Roxbury, Dorchester, Jamaica Plain, the South End. Father, may the, the waves of blessing just begin to emanate from this place all around us. So-called methadone mile, the homeless that are walking around the city right now, those who believe that they have no future, let the blessing, let the shalom of God, shalom of Jesus Christ fill this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank, give the Lord a hand now. Come on. And revel in his goodness. Amen. Amen.